A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we have a nuclear revenge involving a government official. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, how I got my perfect teacher jailed. Straight blonde hair, legs so long that they seemed to go on for miles, and eyes as blue as forget-me-nots. These were the striking features of the lady who ruined my life. It all began halfway through my freshman year at college. I'd just come to terms with the fact that college wasn't even half of all it was made up to be. The stress of juggling schoolwork and a job, for independence, was seriously getting to me. Also, I'd recently dumped my cool boyfriend because he turned out to be a cheating jerk. Due to an email, nicely encrypted threats of leaving the honor college, from the student advisor, I was grudgingly walking into my first French language class. I didn't want to be there, but as the friendly male said, I might have to give up my spot in the honors college to more deserving students if I didn't broaden my range of courses. Spanish wasn't an option, that was where all the disgusting predatory boys gathered to ogle at the attractive Hispanic and apparently oblivious teacher, so that left French or public speaking as my options and I'd much rather stick with French than humiliate myself in front of a gazillion other students. The first thing I noticed about the class was how at ease all of the students seemed to be with another. There was nothing choky or intimidating about the class, except how beautiful the teacher was. Beauty probably had to be a criterion during the job interviews for elective teachers. All the students were in a big semicircle with the teacher gracefully poised in the middle. Still not quite happy with the new development, I went over to a desk in a far corner that must have been abandoned while the class was getting rearranged and slumped into it. Miss Anastasia, that was what I called her before I lost all my respect for her, raised a perfectly carved brow at me but she didn't say anything to me. She carried on with her class like she hadn't noticed anything. Immediately the bell was rung and I'd started to sprint out the door, but she met me just as I was leaving the hallway. She must have been some kind of athlete that had something to do with grace and speed. Cuckoo, Cherie, she said. May I have a second of your time, please? That's alright, I said, because I didn't have the heart to be rude to any of my teachers without reason. Delightful, she giggled. I see you're new to my class. I'm Anastasia, and you are... Beth, Bethany George, it's nice to meet you. She raised that perfect brow again. Really? Because you could have fooled me that you'd rather be anywhere but here with that frown. My face automatically relaxed into an embarrassed smile. I'm sorry about that, I started to say, but she cut me off. Nonsense, she said with an understanding smile. Just give my class a little bit of a chance, will you? I nodded in agreement. Good. So I'll see you next Friday then. Then she walked, or more accurately, glided like a swan, back into her classroom. The next Friday, I went to her class a bit earlier and discovered that I was the first student to get there. Anastasia looked up from the book she was immersed in and broke into a brilliant smile when she saw me. Beth, darling, ça va? I'm fine, thank you, I replied. No, in French, mon amour, she insisted. I've gone through your records and I know that it shouldn't be hard for you. The rest of my class should even be prepared for a challenge, since you decided to join us. I blushed at the compliment and mumbled the answer in French. Darling, she smiled. 
Confidence is as important as knowledge when you're learning any language. But never mind, she went on, putting her book away. We have plenty of time to work on that. Now, I have a class in 10 minutes, so you have to help me set up. And I did. I spent those 10 minutes shaping the tables into a semicircle, listening to the purr of her voice as she lit sage and bergamot candles. So that was why the class seemed so calming. I sat with the rest of the class this time and realized how interactive her class was. Although I didn't participate much, I thoroughly enjoyed the class and I scribbled all my ideas that I didn't pitch into the margin of my notebook. The next class I went early again. Someone would think I was doing it on purpose. I was, and I helped her prepare the class. This time, I told her a bit about the pressure I was facing as an honors student, and she told me a bit about the pressures she faced as a student. A tit for tat. I liked that. Soon it became a habit. I don't think I have to tell you that. I'd sometimes go 30 minutes or even an hour early. We'd set up the class much earlier and drink chamomile tea while reading books in comfortable silence or confiding in each other. I think it's clear I didn't have many other friends, so I started to spend most of my time with her. We'd even meet off campus on weekends and see movies together, mostly French, or visit the parks. There were many perks to being friends with her though. She was decidedly cool. She let me use her car to stay in the library past midnight, and she was in her late 20s, so we could use her ID to get into clubs on Sundays. Also, I was an honors student, and by definition, we don't take our classes trivially once we've made up our minds to ace them. So I started to dissect French and bother Anastasia with a million questions on conjugation, and why the words sometimes sounded horribly the same in listening exercises. Almost three months after we'd gotten close, we started to meet up at her place. She shared an apartment with her Italian foster brother, Alessandro to work on my oral French, and generally just have fun. Alessandro was equally dope, and it didn't hurt to have someone with an even worse French accent than me around. Now we're getting to the dark part. Alessandro was pretty, and I couldn't deny that I'd noticed, but I could never see him as anything more than her brother, because not only was she my friend, but because she was my teacher first. Stereotypically, Italian boys are huge flirts, and this one wasn't any different. He'd wink at me when he walked into the room, or publicly announce that I looked hot even in front of his girlfriend Layla, but it didn't bother me. It was just friendly flirting, like the one where your male friend just jokes around with you. But you both know that they could never mean it, or so I thought. I began to feel creeped out when he started replying to my Instagram stories with fire emoji and heart eyes. Eventually, I was forced to show our chats to Anastasia when he texted that he had feelings for me in clear, understandable English. So, I was quite confused when Anastasia lashed out all hurt and angry at me for trying to throw dirt on her brother's name and cause a rift between him and his girlfriend. She was so upset with me that she refused to speak with me, even during classes. She'd glide past me like I was invisible, and the whole class, who'd become acquainted with our budding closeness in the past few months, didn't fail to notice it. Her silent treatment obviously got to me, and I wanted her to forgive me because I missed her desperately. After a particularly heart-wrenching class, where she conveniently forgot how much I loved doing extra mark assignments, and assigned everyone who indicated interest except me, I knew I had to make things right, or my grade was going to suffer for it too. Before I lost my gut and gave up, I took the bus to her apartment, only to find it locked. 
I wasn't going to waste a journey, so I retrieved her spare key from under her welcome mat and let myself in. Almost an hour into practicing my apology speech, someone walked in. But it wasn't her. It was a six-foot-two tanned body that would make Calvin Klein models jealous. It was Alessandro. I looked past his beautiful face and was hot on my heels and headed out the door, but he stopped me. He apologized for every inconvenience he'd caused and said he'd make it up to me. Then he told me that he didn't love Layla anymore and started to profess deep emotions that he clearly didn't have for me, which was a gigantic red flag, but I didn't leave. I stayed there trying to convince him to say everything he'd just said to Anastasia so she'd know I wasn't lying. Abruptly, he kissed me and I tried to fight him off but he was stronger and started to mess with the buttons on my shirt. And that was when I started to panic. Just when he'd almost taken the shirt off, I grabbed a ceramic vase and broke it on his head. His head must have mainly been intended for decoration or I must have used way too much force because the ceramic actually cracked his skull. As you may suspect, Anastasia was furious at me and when his family pressed charges against me, she testified against me in court. But that wasn't what hurt me the most. What shattered my heart was the fact that she blatantly denied ever seeing him make any advances toward me. Alessandro had cleared his Instagram chats long before I even damaged his skull, so I desperately needed her testimony in my favor. But right there, when my life was hanging in the balance, she betrayed me. Luckily for me, I was let off the hook with some community service, anger management sessions, and the bill for his brain surgery. Anything was better than jail time. Sadly, my quest for independence was delayed, as I had to ask my mother for the money to pay the bill, but that didn't really hurt. Neither did the community service or mandatory therapy sessions, because my mind was in one place while my body was in another. Every single thing inside of me had only one goal, and that was to see Anastasia and her brother suffer. How could she do that to me? We were friends and she was a woman too. How did she sleep at night knowing that she let a man get away with attempted you-know-what in the name of family? At school, I was known as a liar and a psychotic girl who made up stories and broke people's heads. I was forced to give up the honors college because it wasn't possible to make enough time for my community service and therapy sessions with my busy schedule. Don't get me started on the nightmares. They'd always begin with some guy dragging me down to the ground and wrestling my clothes off me, and they would always end with the same sickening crunch of a skull and the nauseating smell of blood. They always felt too much like reality. And they were roaming scot-free? Not on my watch. My initial plan was to get revenge using her little sister who was even younger than me. I didn't want anyone to do anything to her, but I wanted her to feel what I felt and see how much they'd like hearing her scream herself awake at night. I know I do sound like a psychopath, but that's what pain can do to a person. Thankfully, God didn't let my plan set into motion. Something even better happened. To be fair, Anastasia did try to apologize to me eventually, but that only made me angrier. Because then, I was sure that she was aware of her wrongdoing, but she went along with it. On a Thursday evening, when I knew Anastasia would be caught up in a faculty meeting and Alessandro was away with his friends in Italy, I'd stalked his Instagram, I slunk into their apartment, they were foolish enough to leave their spare key under the mat, I'm still not sure what exactly I was looking for, I just needed some information on the mystery sister. All I knew about her was that she was named Eve, she was younger than me, and they loved her very much. 
and I got all that information from my past conversations with Anastasia and Alessandro. Her social media presence was vague. There wasn't even one picture of her there. After a very frustrating search, I was about to make my way out of the house when I noticed some important looking folders sitting on their bookshelf. I thought I'd just give it a brief look and be on my way. I was snooping more out of curiosity than vengeance at that point. I honestly wasn't expecting to see anything out of the ordinary. You can tell I was double shocked by the information those folders possessed. No, the information wasn't about Eve. The documents were mainly in French, so they were kind of hard to read, but I could decipher that Anastasia used to be a con artist back in France, and her brother was more than aware because his signature was there on a lot of the documents. I took pictures of a lot of the documents, but I also needed hard copy proof, because if my former trial in court proved anything, digital evidence was worth nothing in court. The deal breakers were testimonies and physical evidence. After sleepless nights interpreting each document after the other, I finally had my first peaceful nightmare void sleep. Not only was I going to give the information to the police, I was going to make sure the whole world knew that Anastasia wasn't perfect and she used to duplicate artwork from important figures and pass them off as original. I won't lie and say I Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I was totally happy when I saw her being dragged out of the school in handcuffs. A tiny part of me felt bad for outing her secret but she deserved it, and so did her brother. I'd never seen her as defenseless as she did during her trial. She was convicted of fraud and had to do time. I tried visiting her once, I don't know why, and all I could see in her eyes was hollow emptiness, which was exactly how I felt after her brother messed me up. Yes, that made me glad. Although OP said that they found their satisfaction in what they did, and to be fair, it was a very justifiable reason for Anastasia to go to jail, nothing happened to Alessandro other than watching their sister get jailed, right? I mean, the perpetrator of the real crime here didn't even really get a true revenge. That said, our next story is, why I didn't forgive Mr. Reynolds. When I met Sarah, I just broke up from a messy relationship and I wasn't ready for any drama again. But after investing so much of myself in Sarah, I experienced another level of pain that refused to heal. At first, I thought it would pass, but with time I realized that time does not heal some wounds. Time has not been able to remove the darkness that engulfed my heart like a plague. I've only had to spend a few months without Sarah to find out how much of a mess I am without her. I was there when my wife became an innocent victim of ruthlessness. 
but I didn't know my world would shatter and a thirst for revenge would consume me. I met my wife Sarah in her final year at the School of Journalism. I can still remember her happy demeanor and her hope-filled eyes the day I bumped into her. The day I'd met her, I'd gone to the school to check on a distant aunt. Sarah, on the other hand, was rushing to meet up with a friend whom she'd planned a train trip with. I was looking, but she wasn't looking up, and then boom, we collided like an erupted volcano. Thank God I was able to save her from hitting the ground. I can't describe what I felt, but it was more like an electric shock. When she bent to pick a few items up that were already scattered on the floor, simultaneously I bent to pick those items up too, but I was faster than her. I picked up the items and handed them over to her. To my surprise, she chuckled and I laughed. That laughter was the beginning of happiness and misery for me. After that funny scenario, she was back on her feet and I saw her speed off as if there was no interruption at all. I chuckled a bit. I couldn't stop to wonder why she busted with so much energy and why she sprinted like an antelope. When I got to my aunt's office, I couldn't concentrate. I kept reeling at the weird experiences I'd had hours before. I also noticed that I felt a strange nudge to go outside. That urge grew stronger with every second I spent at my aunt's office. When I could no longer contain it, I bid her the earliest farewell I'd ever bade her. And I wasn't surprised when she asked if I had a pregnant wife at home. I didn't wait to reply as that would begin another long but interesting banter between the both of us. After that encounter I had with Sarah, I didn't know how I would keep having that compelling nudge to go to her school twice every week, sometimes thrice, hoping to bump into her again. Unfortunately, I never did. After my hopes were dashed, I decided to return to my work. Thank God my friends and family were willing to jolt me back to reality. I would have probably spent a lifetime looking for the woman whose books I scattered on the floor. I liked adventure, and I enjoyed the thrills I felt when I searched for Sarah. It seemed as though I was trying to unravel a mystical being. I knew something was compelling about Sarah that kept me determined to find her again, something I'd never seen in anyone. I felt like a teenager in love, but I knew what I felt wasn't just love, it was like a connection, a deep one at that. I felt there were parts of me that Sarah had in her palms, so I looked for Sarah as if I was determined to collect those parts of me she had with her. Well, it's safe to say I didn't throw away my valuable time those days I went looking for Sarah. In short, the day I saw her again, I knew that she'd been looking forward to seeing me too. Not that she admitted to this truth, but I could feel it in the way she responded to my questions and the way she laughed heartily at all the dry jokes that my friends said I told easily. I met Sarah again at a friend's birthday dinner, and I could swear that her beauty was a discovery. Everyone that knew me knew how much I'd longed to meet Sarah again. I remember that everyone was surprised and happy for me that night. That night was the beginning of a fairy tale. Sarah and I bonded over everything. I was there when she graduated the School of Journalism. I was there through the most important days of her life. I was there when she began to follow her passion as a journalist. She pitched on investigative journalism, and I saw how much work she put into unraveling corruption in the political and public sectors. I knew from the onset that Sarah would be a high-flying journalist, and she didn't disappoint me. She grew in leaps and bounds. It was no surprise when she became a big shot in less than five years of practice. Then, on the 6th of April, Sarah stumbled on a strong piece of evidence against a strong political figure in Atlanta, Mr. Reynolds. Mr. Reynolds was a prominent government official who was outstanding in diverting public funds and engaging in subtle corrupt practices. He was powerful and his name sparked fears and caution. 
When Sarah stumbled upon a huge shred of evidence exposing this high-ranking government official's involvement in a web of deceit and corruption, she was determined to uncover the truth. She pursued the story relentlessly, unaware of the danger lurking in the shadows. I didn't know Sarah to be a coward, or someone who could be intimidated in any form, but I didn't feel good about her resoluteness in that story. As usual, she found a way to dismiss my fears because she was convinced she was under some sort of protection, and she had in no way violated any human rights. Sarah felt her popularity was enough protection, but I didn't believe her popularity was enough. As much as I wanted her to pursue her dreams and grow in her career, I wanted to keep her as my wife. She was the only person that kept me sane, and I was lucky to have her give me butterflies in my belly at the same time. I guess some prices come with falling in love and marrying a strong woman, and I paid those prices in full. As days passed into months, Sarah gathered more pieces of evidence that would enable her to put Mr. Reynolds in his place for life. Even though I had fears, I knew Sarah was doing the right thing. I grew up in the inner city as a child and I know how much hope the average American child has in the government. I also know the disappointments and aches that come when those hopes are dashed. Those hopes would continue to be dashed when men like Mr. Reynolds continue to stay in the government. Mr. Reynolds came from a politically conscious family. His family members had held highly revered political offices over the years. They were fierce people, but none of them had behaved out of candor like Mr. Reynolds. It was obvious that he had something up his sleeves but the law could not take its course due to a lack of evidence. That was the major driving force for Sarah. It took her so long to find something about him and when she finally did, she would never let it slide. I saw how much enthusiasm she showed when she knew she was going to use her passion to bring joy to families and children who were being deprived of their rights because one man was trying to make a fool of everyone. Amid the heat of the investigation, I managed to sneak Sarah away so we could have our yearly vacation and also spend some time alone. She needed the getaway so much, and the only regret I have is not letting us stay longer on our vacation. As soon as we got back home, Sarah resumed her investigation in full force. If only we knew that our enemies were closer than we thought, we would have threaded with extreme caution. The day it happened, it was just like any other night. Sarah had stepped out to take care of some business in town, and I remember her hugging me tightly as if she knew that the end was close. At exactly 8pm on that Thursday night, I got the call that changed the trajectory of my life. Sarah's life had been abruptly cut short when her car mysteriously exploded, and her voice was silenced forever. I didn't know what to think or say for so many days. I felt cheated and defeated. No one could give me an explicit explanation regarding what led to my wife's death. I couldn't believe that my wife, who liked to talk loudly, would no longer be able to do so. No, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't her fault that she was bold, fierce, and strong-willed. All she wanted was to bring hope and life to the people who had long been deprived. Gradually, my grief morphed into a seething rage. I knew deep within my soul that the corrupt tendrils reached far beyond a single individual. I knew that I could continue where my wife stopped. And no, I didn't need to be a journalist. I didn't care what it would cost, but I knew I would bring down Mr. Reynolds and every single soul endorsing his evils. I didn't believe that I could stand so tall despite the pain I felt in my heart. I felt Sarah's support. I felt her presence. And that was all the energy I needed. 
I went ahead to release the pieces of evidence Sarah had before her demise. I was so shocked at the steer and controversy that sparked in the public space. Everyone had something to say. There were questions, suspicions, and discontent. I was so sure Mr. Reynolds would no longer be able to fool anyone. I knew his days in office were numbered, but I didn't know Sarah and I had steered a revolution. So many people began to speak up against the evil practices of Mr. Reynolds. I was shocked at the jaw-breaking allegations leveled against him. Several women alleged that they'd been violated by this man. It was so distasteful that underaged girls were not left out. Despite all that we had on Mr. Reynolds, he was too bent on protecting his office. But it was too late for him to continue to victimize the people in a civilized country. So many people began to gather in front of the government house, claiming for Mr. Reynolds' impeachment. In the heat of the moment, a woman who had been violated by him granted an interview where she recounted the traumatic experiences she had with Mr. Reynolds, whom she described as a tyrant. It was so bad that her husband who worked for Mr. Reynolds was mysteriously killed after which he began to make overtures at her. She claimed the incident caused her series of panic attacks, which she has yet to recover from. So many people had something to say about Mr. Reynolds, but no one had anything good to say about him. The agitation for his impeachment increased, and the legislation had no choice but to concede after a series of seating and investigations. The atmosphere after his impeachment was joyous. There was widespread celebration all over the state. To be honest, many people who gathered at the government house cried tears of joy. It wasn't just the end of a bad reign. It was the beginning of a revolution that would stand the test of time. All the atrocities that Mr. Reynolds committed against people were investigated after his impeachment. Violation against women in America was never taken lightly, not to talk of embezzling public funds, so Mr. Reynolds faced the full wrath of the law. It was beautiful to see that no one was indeed above the law. Power truly is domiciled with the people. On the day Mr. Reynolds began his jail term, it was all over the news. And somehow the news remembered my wife Sarah. Her name popped up on so many social media platforms. So many people dropped flowers at our house, and some dropped by her graveside. She would be remembered as the woman who gave her all to a course she believed in. For the first time since my wife's death, I was able to let my tears flow unhindered. The only solace I found was knowing that Sarah's death had not been in vain. Isn't it sad but not shocking that once this guy had been chewed up and spat out by the political system, only then were they actually tried and investigated on their crimes that they committed that all these people were speaking out for? Why is it impossible to hold public figures accountable while they're in office? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.